This is episode number 226. What is the meaning of life's events with Elon Goldman? Welcome. My name is Oleg Lokid, and this is the Overcoming Outs podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being is if you have enjoyed any of the previous episodes or if this is your first time tuning in, consider supporting our cause by making a donation through our website at overcomingodds.today so we can continue creating and sharing these courageous and inspiring conversations. The second announcement that I wanted to make is an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming experience called Survive to Thrive Attitude of Gratitude. This is a weekly conversation that is broadcasted live through Facebook and LinkedIn where we explore the topics around the concepts of the connection between gratitude and grief, gratitude and resilience, gratitude and relationships in our lives, and many other topics. If you'd like to know more details about any of these upcoming experiences, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the time and place that each and every single one of these takes place. Last but not least, if you've enjoyed any of the previous episodes, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Elon Goldman. How are you doing, Oleg? To the show. Good to be here. Glad to finally uh, make an appearance here. You're not related to Elon Musk by any chance, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, if I had a dollar for every time someone said that, uh, I would uh, be I would invest it wisely. <laughs> was that ever a nick your nickname? I was actually about to ask you that the other day. Was that your nickname? I mean, in middle school or high school, any of those days, Elon Musk? No, actually, no, actually, my well, he I don't think he was that popular back then, uh, and I'm a youngin. But uh, my nickname, my real nickname in high school was Rocket, and that goes back to playing baseball throughout high school and college, or it kind of carried on to college and um but yeah that was rocket with my family and uh yeah with everyone else around me then well considering that i played kickball with you i can definitely say that <laughs> there's no rock there i don't have a leg no <laughs> <laughs> um but hey i'm glad that we're able to do this and have this conversation around change and what i wanted to do maybe the best way to even start this off is by going through the week <laughs> that, you oh, no. I, that you and I went through because I, I think that is yeah. a perfect um, example of what it meant to respond to change and adapt to the different changes in in life mm-hmm. and I'll start off by sharing my side of the story and then you can mm-hmm. fill in the rest yeah. Monday morning I woke up <laughs> it was I think like 54 degrees colder than that <laughs> it was probably colder than that but yeah. I, it was somewhere within that ballpark to begin with and then I remember looking outside, opening up my blinds <laughs> and just literally couldn't believe what was happening. I mean, there was a foot of snow on the ground. 
one of the first calls I made was to Carson. I was FaceTiming him and just trying to like understand like, is this reality? And then I ended up calling you and I said, Hey man, you have to come pick me up because I mean, there's, there's no way I was going to make it out of that. I had my Mazda, which there, <laughs> that was a mission impossible to begin with. And then I ended up throwing the fire log, which we had to put out afterwards. <laughs> Cause that was like a four, four to five hour thing. Mm-hmm. on they last but for me it, it was an interesting journey to go on for two reasons first is understanding that change is inevitable and change happens at all phases of life and so for me it becomes more so how do you respond to that change and then outside of that the other thing that really made a big difference in my life i was very fortunate to have friends like you as well as so many others that i could call on and say hey this is the situation can you help me out Mm-hmm. you know because there's so many other people don't have that and sure. then obviously we moved into your guys's house which <laughs> i've never heard the full story behind how it is that you guys felt and processed yeah. that like was that a challenging experience in the two of you uh it was and like yeah to preface that um like you said change is inevitable um the problem with the whole situation is you know there are a lot of parts of the country where you know, there's bad weather, right? There's unexplainable, um, unprecedented circumstances. Uh, but some of those parts of the country are used to having that happen on a regular basis, say Florida or, mm-hmm. you know, even Houston on the coastline where they see hurricanes or other places of the country where they see a lot of snow. But it's so, somewhat like a black swan event when you're kind of cruising through life with no preparation and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you hear of a storm coming in, we might get some snow, but then the whole city shuts down for over a week, even two weeks for some people without power for over a hundred hours, then, you know, it's part of my language, but shit starts to get real, right? And that's what happened to us. So, um, but I kind of took it, you know, we were having fun. It was that Sunday, right? When some people's power mm-hmm. went out and you said Monday started your week of disaster or catastrophe, whatever you want to say. Um, but we were kind of just playing it minute by minute. And as the minutes went on, things got worse. And I realized, well, well, you know, what's our current situation here? Our current situation was, well, we still had power. We still had water. Uh, Right now there's a lot of people in need. And so what can I do to help? And so, um, you know, I lived with my girlfriend and I said, well, hey, you know, Oleg stranded over here. He needs to get (laughs) stuff done for his business. Uh, what can I do to help him out? You know, we have internet, we have power. And you're the first person I talked to that day. And since I have a four by four truck, we went over, saved you, brought you back. And there was no hesitation, actually, whether or not we were going to let you stay here for two days, a week, a month, whatever it take, whatever it would have taken to, you know, have you live, you know, it's, it was your livelihood, right? It was your health. It was your, your safety, your dog. Um, you know, people's lives were really at risk with the temperatures of that storm. And so the change really didn't set in until later that week, once we took on another family and you were there (laughs) and we had four other people in the house. So we had four, uh, seven people in the house, four animals, right? Uh, There was a newborn, a five-year-old kid. And so I, I don't have a family personally, but then you realize, wow, you have to provide like for all these people. And so that was when the change set, set in was when we really had to shut off or our water pressure was reduced and then we had no water and then we had to boil snow. So um, it was 
and it was stressful. The change was really stressful, as was like change from, say, this whole last year with COVID and still, you know, is happening. Um, personally, and like over the past two or three years, that was the most one of the most stressful situations of my life is when we were like, it felt like we were not providing, but we were sheltering. We were, we were, it was like I said, people's livelihood to seek shelter, refuge, and there was food and water, all the grocery stores, like, so all that set in, right? And then once the water shut off, my, it was just like kind of chaos. And then, so, but yeah, I think that looking back at it now, um, it sets you up for, to succeed in any like other stressful situation. Granted, um, you know, there are other factors that are not threatening your life. You know, um, if we didn't have uh water or power for you know seven days plus with all those people in our home um it could have been a lot worse mm -hmm. but i think that yeah when you're when you're kind of given that situation you adapt and you take past life experiences and knowledge and uh you know where do you get water if you don't have any water running to your house well how do you Start melt it well how do you collect it yeah so there's so much and uh I don't think there's yeah one answer like how or if your question was like yeah how did you adapt to the change but mm -hmm. it was just kind of like a day by day minute by minute process you know and it was very stressful i'll also add on to it i think something that you mentioned that's important to note is when resources become scarce and finding other ways to manifest those things i mean what was it tuesday or wednesday when you and i started boiling water I think like it, was it truly, it truly yeah. got down to that point where we were going mm -hmm. outside, filling up buckets with snow. I, mm -hmm. So I had a different image and I, I don't know what your expectation of it was, but you remember when we were filling up that big bin? Oh I yeah. Thought that that was gonna be enough. <laughs> I thought that that alone was going to be enough. And then once we started boiling that, the volume from the bin, it was maybe like an eighth as far as the actual water produced. And that's where I kind of realized that, man, this is going to be a process. <laughs> like, this is not going to get resolved in the next minute, but we're going to have to go out there and get more snow, boil more water, have more conversations about how much water do we put in the back of the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> we did have that conversation and it, it's just, it's funny and it's interesting once something like that happens or until something like that happens, you don't truly know what mm -hmm. it is that's going to take for mm -hmm. you to change those circumstances. Mm -hmm. and, and what's really interesting too is I was thinking about it recently and we, millions of people, millions of people were without waters and water and power. Millions of people were affected regardless because they couldn't, they couldn't get in their cars and drives if they didn't have four wheel drive. They couldn't go to the grocery store even if they had like little children or they didn't prepare, you know, if they weren't not prepping but they didn't have the supplies or the food or whatever's necessary to live. Like, you don't realize I, I right then and there I realized the things you take for granted right flushing the mm -hmm. toilet going <laughs> driving around going to the grocery store having water come out of your sink and then you think like there's all these other parts of the world that don't have this electricity mm -hmm. running water just the access we have and like that alone uh showed me how many things we take for granted on a day-by-day -day basis and then also how many people like actually cared um a lot of people like were you know it's national news checking in how are you doing and 
you know, I have a business and uh, my partner was, how are you doing? I was like, well, I'm shut down. Nobody, I can't work. Uh, all, you know, we're in a service-based industry. We work with management companies and uh, all their clients were having issues. You know, main water lines were busting all over the place. So yeah, you realize like, it's really cool to see people checking in the ones who are there and, uh, you know, there for you and have been there your whole life. You know, those people really come out um, and, and shine. And, uh, but yeah, we made it out successfully. And it just also felt like, you know, the natural disaster is like more expensive, the repairs from this thing than Harvey was back in mm-hmm. I believe, 2018. And, uh, you know, all the Texans, like everyone who lived here, whether they're a transplant or not was in it together. And it's like still a thing of, a, top, a big topic if you're going out to grab a drink or you're at dinner with someone you say well mm-hmm. how'd you do during the freeze like what happened because <laughs> it was so it's so chaotic like you weren't reaching out to all those people unless you were directly helping them at that point in time do you feel like that particular event did it change any of the relationships that you had as far as so i'll give you an example of mine for me, there were certain people that reached out, but there were also certain people that I thought were close to me that didn't reach out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and blame them by any means, because I'm, I do have to take into consideration that some people don't check the news as often. And maybe mm-hmm. that they didn't know what was happening. But I'm wondering in your, from your experience, like, did it change any of the relationships in your own life when you all of a sudden <laughs> did not hear from someone that you thought you were close to when you were going through all this? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say it changed, but it kind of, it didn't, I maybe felt abandoned, you know, because it's like, it was serious. And if it was worse, like, they wouldn't have known if it was worse, right? Because they never checked in. But for our circumstance where we were located in the part of Austin, we're directly behind a hospital, we had power because we believe we're on the same grid as this hospital for majority of the week. And so that was our livelihood, right? But again, if they didn't check in, um, you know, and we were, we didn't have food, right? We were not, not on the verge of starving, but getting hungry or like, that's a serious thing. It sounds like I'm joking around, but that was at that point in time, if you didn't have food for seven plus days, you didn't have refrigeration, like, you know, you, you're not, or your the grocery stores couldn't even keep food in stock because they had no delivery trucks, you know, yeah. bringing them food on a daily basis. So I would say it changed in that sense, but I'm not taking it to heart saying, you know, those people are out of my life or I'm not never talking to them again. But what I did see also change is some other people that I did help out. Like I had a friend who, whose heat uh, wasn't working. His wife was stuck at a hospital. She was sleeping at the hospital. CJ, mm-hmm. CJ because uh, she had no transportation to get home uh, from work because the streets and the roads were so bad. Where, you know, I felt him, you know, he was really appreciative of that. And, uh, you know, our, I think our relationship got a little tighter and he's reaching out more because I, I I think that until you reach out and you know provide you know a lending hand to someone um maybe like they're it changes their perspective a little bit or mm-hmm. of you even though that's not like the best time to do it is you know mm-hmm. after after a service or um something is granted but I did see see it change like relationships in that sense for a few people well, I think that also goes back to the point of something that you had made and that's taking things for granted. I mean, I'm, I've been in those shoes many times where mm-hmm. I took certain relationships for granted and it wasn't until a crisis that I was able to really value what it is that person brings. Mm-hmm. But like the danger of that, at least for me, and I'm curious to hear what you think about this, in waiting to reach out to someone until a crisis happens, you don't know if that person's still going to be there. 
You don't know exactly. if they're going to be able to help. I mean, you and I, we went, I would say, pretty extreme measures as far as driving around in those conditions, getting the firewood, getting to his place, shoveling the driveway with garden shovels, which was, you know, that's, that's a story of its own mm -hmm. as far as how, <laughs> how long that took us. I mean, that took us three or four times longer than yeah. it would take with any other shovel. But I think it was that moment for me just made me realize that there's certain relationships throughout my, throughout my life that I took for granted. And it wasn't until a crisis that mm -hmm. I chose to reach out and actually yeah. feel like, Oh, I, I'm in touch. You're my friend X, Y, and Z. When the reality yeah. of the matter is like those things change mm -hmm. and those people may not, may not always be there. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, then what do you do? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's almost like cry, not crying wolf, but maybe the opposite. But yeah, I, I think that, yeah, some relationships that you might like take for granted, you know, you don't really like dig deep and understand who that person is until you realize like when they do come and there's that olive branch or there's that, that act of, you know, help um, in say that situation, then, you know, you really find out who that person is. But yeah, if you don't keep in contact constantly or you're not, valuing that friendship and one person's kind of you know putting in all the work and the other is not then things tend to drift away but it takes effort on both sides right um you know whether it's yeah communicating via text message or phone call checking in on the person um you know if, if i guess like comes down to relationships right it's an interesting thing people are very very complex right we all have different uh, personalities we all have different uh you know, restraints, we all have different crutches in life. And, um, you know, there's, it's one of the most, like psychology, it was one of the most interesting, one very interesting, interesting thing to me, um, is just the human mind, how that works. But yeah, I guess this situation shows that, um, you know, regardless of there being a crisis or not, you know, those friends, those people close to you immediate in your life, it's very valuable to, you know, keep in contact with them and understand what's going on in their life. Uh, because say if something happened in that instance, um, you really wouldn't know how bad they're suffering if they are at all. Right. Do you feel like in your friendship? So <clears throat> one of the things that I'll disclose to people who are listening and that don't know Elon as well as I do <laughs> And that's, you truly are probably one of a handful of people, if not the only one, maybe like Carson is the only other exception that can be friends with anyone or anything. <laughs> I mean, like if there's a rock on the road, you'll find a, yeah. a way to be friends with that rock. And yes. that's a really unique personality because I don't believe, I don't know if it's necessarily not everyone has the capacity or the ability to do it. It's just that not everyone does that. Yeah. And I'm wondering yeah, I, like- yeah you know, within that, do you ever fall short in the relationships that you are currently in because you're able to be friends with everyone? Mm -hmm. And what do close relationships even look like for you? Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, I think I, it comes from my, my grandma. She's the exact same way. She lives at a retirement home. She is literally friends with every, every single person. She knows everyone's <laughs> name she's in her nineties. And she's just like everyone, you know, her name's Eleanor and everyone calls her Ellie, but, um, and maybe it, yes, it comes from genetics. It's, or my family. Cause they're all mm -hmm. kind of, my family's all kind of like that. And I get that from a lot of my friends too. And I, I, be, I believe, yeah, having that big surplus or that outreach, right. To, accept a lot of people and it's hard for other people to accept a lot of people and mm -hmm. that might diminish 
that quality of relationship uh, across the board. But um, I find that one, I, I mean, you know, everyone judges people differently. Um, you know, people, some people say they don't judge people at all. That's not true. Everybody judges someone and it's a good thing, right? You need, um, not that they're gonna add benefit, but if they're gonna like take you down a wrong path or, you know, you want to be around people that are going to, um, you know, make you grow as a human being, that make you work harder, that make you want to be around them, right? Um, and I guess, yeah, my closer relationships, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to talk to those people, even though I can say I'm friends with all these people on the outside, like, you know, it's like a bell curve, right? So mm -hmm. the ones in the relationships in the middle are really, you know, really close, really tight. You connect with those people on daily, weekly basis, and then kind of out towards the end, um, you know, those people are maybe long lost friends. And so I guess for me, since I guess I do have a lot of friends, um, according to people close to my circle, <laughs> those, those ones on the outside, you know, they kind of drift away because of that lost connection. And that, that's what would, would occur with those close relationships in the middle of the curve, right, as well. So I think it's, although I do accept a broad range of people to be within my circle, it's kind of a natural, almost like natural selection, right? That if I lose connection with that person that I say had a brief stint with or a couple of weeks, like they're, they'll naturally drift away and will be out of that kind of inner circle of trust and friendship and, and uh, growth as well. So um, I think for me, again, big, like if you think of it like a humpback whale eating a bunch of uh, krill or plankton in the ocean, whatever they eat, you know, they're, they're grabbing so much with their mouth, but some are gonna escape the side, right? So, and then I usually kind of hone in on, on those ones that really do keep that constant contact like you were talking about and uh, also provide that, that benefit with the growth and, uh, you know, commonalities in life. Do you look at those things as regrets for those that you don't end up maintaining in contact with? Um, Do you have regrets, would, period? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like one, of, one big regret for me, it's like, it's, it's almost like a what if is, and it's and with what I do for work. Um, and I got it from my family for so long, because obviously they're the, one of my, the ones in my inner circle, those people in my inner circle. And it's with uh, school. Uh, when I went to college, I had a science degree, exercise science. And my goal, I don't know if you call it a dream, was to become a physician. It changed a few times. It was physical therapist, physical therapist, physician assistant, then a cardiopulmonary perfusionist. And then I'm doing what I'm doing now, which is working with homeowners associations. And, uh, but that's one thing I do regret because it's always like a what if. What if I did that? What if I like that more than I like this? Because not one person, I mean, there's very few people in this world that are married to what they do in terms of work. There's a lot of people in this world that are sitting there at their desk or wherever they're working and say, they wish they quit this yesterday right because mm -hmm. they don't have the passion they don't have the drive and it's really hard to keep that motivation if you don't like what you're doing um but i really enjoy what i'm doing now helping these communities providing a good service um for them but yeah i guess if i have one big um regret or th thing i wish i did differently it was maybe okay well what if i pursued this path instead of this and then my life would have changed right because once you take that direction the people you meet are different your whole outlook, your whole projection oh, yeah. is completely different. That always, I think about that all the time. Like if I went to that school or if I didn't go to school, right? Where, where are you going to end up in this big picture? So, where, do you, um, where do you draw the line though with that? As far as constantly being occupied by that thought and then also knowing that that's something that, I mean, 
you can literally sit there all day and saying, what if I did this? Or what if yeah. I didn't do that? Well, I try not to. That's that, like, I think bottom line, I try not to because again, those things, those, they're kind of not negative thoughts, but they're going to be slowing you down for the goals that you want to achieve, right? So if you're constantly thinking about why didn't I do this or why didn't I do that rather than focusing on the big picture and kind of pushing mm -hmm. forward, like, you know, you're going to be just bogged down. You're, 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 you're like your internet speed. You're, it's, what do you call it? You're, uh, um, you have a, you know, you have a certain amount of capacity, uh, bandwidth, right? In your brain, your capacity. But your bandwidth is, is pretty narrow. And so if you have all this, you know, you're thinking about all these things that you could have done differently, um, then it's going to really limit that. But it's, it's, it's good to look back on those things also, because um, that's one way you grow is especially in like circumstances where you made a wrong decision or mm -hmm. yeah, you were in the wrong, um, you know, no one's right 100% of the time. Nobody, nobody is, uh, you know, always making the best moves in, in life. And so if you don't reflect on those things, you're not going to grow. So there's, I guess, a give and take of, you know, how you use those, take those experiences or those opportunities and then use them for, you know, uh, put them in your, I guess, in your ball, in your court and, and use them to, uh, you know, kind of move forward in life. Do you think every experience has a lesson behind it? Yeah, it, it can definitely. Um, because, with every experience, no matter what it is, you have, you have options, right? You have an opportunity to make, to say yes or no. You have an opportunity to, um, you know, change that situation if it's good or bad. Right. So you can take a lesson from that, you know, almost anything in life. Mm -hmm. For those that are listening right how about, now. How about you? How about you? What, what do you think about that? I think for me, I look at it that way, but that's a conscious decision that I make it's a conscious mm -hmm. decision that I make. There's a lesson behind it because it puts me in an opportunity in a position to learn from every mm -hmm. single experience, instead of just looking at experiences through the lens of, Oh, this happened. So what mm -hmm. now I think there is, I don't know what the fine line is before between understanding that there are certain things that do just happen quote unquote randomly. Mm -hmm. I choose to put a reason behind everything, Okay, but that's the, because that, in a way puts my mind at, at ease mm -hmm. you know if i leave things to chance then i go down the rabbit hole of what you described <laughs> with the what if yeah. because then it's i'm trying to rationalize that as far as well why did that happen mm -hmm. you know why did this friendship not work out or why mm -hmm. did i get into this situation or yeah so I, I i think for me it's just choosing to put a reason behind it it in the way gives me closure and it mm -hmm. gives me the chance to like keep moving forward because if I don't give close, if I don't choose to find closure within certain things, then my mind is, that's just the way my mind works. It's yeah. always going to be thinking about it. And that's and the whole bandwidth be, thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just nebulous, right? It's going to make things really cloudy. Yeah. And it's always going to be in hypotheticals. Like, yeah. I, of course, <laughs> things could be differently. I mean, think about it. Like if you were to pursue something different, then you, may, you and I may not have ever crossed paths. Yeah. Even well, if you and, did and move to Austin. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what's really cool about your story is that all of that has happened right in your past, mm -hmm. you can ask a million different like what ifs and that one time I attended one of your seminars. Um, you, just like hearing you speak about your story and your experience. I'm like, wow, like, you know, if what, what if that was my experience, because I have yeah. never experienced anything like that. And there were people in the audience that that have, 
and but they related to you they were able to connect with you they were able to sh share their stories and i thought that was really cool um because i'd never seen something like that before um especially that platform that you do provide people mm -hmm. and uh but yeah if that I, it's it's almost not impossible it is almost impossible mm -hmm. for someone who hasn't been through what you've been through to put that into their mind and understand like how they would go one way or the other right or make a decision or how do they not think about their past experiences um and move forward towards you know their goals in life right mm -hmm. that's that's what i find that's yeah it's uh it's again really hard for me to comprehend that and i sure. think there's a i think there's a difference between understanding and relating mm -hmm. you know I, that's something that i try and practice more of is whenever someone shares their experience really become conscious of my words because i don't understand I don't understand the things you've been through. I don't <laughs> understand what those experiences are like. I might be able to relate mm -hmm. just based on my own set of circumstances, but those are different at the end of yeah. the day. So there's just, there's so much unknown. And I think that's just the beauty of life is just continuing to go through it day by yeah, day I, and see what it has to offer. I, I think what's hard for me is I can relate for sure, but where you can't relate is like the pain, the grief, the sorrow, yeah. right? That is something like you could feel sorry for someone or like for those experiences, but I can relate, but I've never like, again, those are circumstances which cause more pain than, you know, things I've been through in life. And like maybe the most painful thing I've been through in life is a family death, right? Mm -hmm. Those are always very painful. Um, and just like, you know, how do you move forward? And it's just like, it, it's really, it's really, uh, what's the word? Um, inspiring, I guess you can say, um, you know, to see how you've gone through life and, and how you inspire other people uh, mm -hmm. to kind of overcome their odds, right? Mm -hmm. That's the theme. So, uh, yeah. What has been one of the more painful experiences in your life? I would say that it was the, the death of my grandfather. Um, and I was really young. I was about 13 years old because it happened right before my bar mitzvah. And so if any of your listeners don't know what a bar mitzvah is, it's when a, a Jewish man be, or boy becomes a man, right? So you have, you say a lot of scriptures and um, Torah, you have a Torah portion and, you know, you have your family there and friends. It's almost like a wedding for yourself, right? There's just so many people there and then you have a big party after, but it's all you. There's no, no marriage of anyone except you and the, and the religion. And I'm a, I'm Jewish, but I'm not a practicing Jew. Um, but a lot of that still sticks, you know, close to my heart, whether it's like celebrating holidays or not. But yeah, it was my grandpa. And the reason was not just because of his death, but it was, he didn't, he couldn't attend my bar mitzvah and mm. everyone in my family was there. And it was literally like, that's when things started going downhill was a week before, or maybe it was a couple of days before my bar mitzvah when I was 13. Uh, my mom said, hey, you know, she sat me down and said, hey, you know, your grandpa's not going to be able to come. And, uh, you know, I was asking why, like, what's going on? And so he, at the time, I didn't know, but he was just really sick. He was really sick. And then I think that he could have gone like a week before he actually did. But it was, it was about, yeah, a couple of weeks after my burnets for the, uh, he passed. And, uh, I, for some reason, because then we drove out to Las Vegas where he was, and for some reason, I think he was just holding on, mm -hmm. and and it was what made it the most painful um, was seeing him in the hospital. Um, you know, he got to a point where he didn't want to be there anymore, and he started ripping out his IVs, and 
Uh, that's where I get a lot of my strength, I think, is from his side of the family and my other, my dad's side of the family as well. But uh, he did not want to be in a place where he was like confined and was going to die. Like he wanted to be in his home with his family. Um, and that was just really painful for me to see. And it's still like very vivid in my mind today. Do you still process that? Uh, yeah, what I process is one, how did he get there? Um, Cause he wasn't the healthiest person. Uh, he was only 83, I believe when he died. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was larger. And so, but he was focused on work. He grinded out work. He was working until he died. He was working until like a week, like he's still going to work every single day. He was a commercial real estate agent. That's intense. And uh, yeah. And he just had, he had to be at work. He's one of those people who just could not <laughs> stop working. And that's where I think, you know, I love to work. I love doing what I do, but he just, you know, he, he started from scratch. He was from New Jersey. He had an ambulance company where he owned ambulances. He was a pharmacist and then he moved to real estate. He did everything. And he had uh, five children as well. So just provided for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, part of him definitely still sticks with me today um, with how I, how I work hard. And uh, he was a really friendly guy. And so maybe that's where I get it from too. But yeah, that was a really painful experience. But yeah, I do kind of look back on it every so often and um, try to understand you know, well, why was he doing what he was doing, uh, trying to get out of there? Um, and what, you know, you don't want to, I don't really want to think about that, but like, what could he have done differently? You know, I was really young then. What could I, and I was, what could I have helped him out or, you know, done, but I was only 13 years old, you know? So, um, yeah, I guess that's what I. And maybe even use him as a figure as far as what mm-hmm. can you do differently? I mean, I know that mm-hmm. for me, one of my latest, losses were was my uncle and one of Mm -hmm. the things that he was just naturally drawn to was candy Mm. the guy had pantries (laughs) full of bars and all these candy bars and it's not to say i don't consume them i definitely have things like that but i it's a reminder there his life is a reminder to me that okay i don't want to go that route because i have seen Mm -hmm. someone who did have diabetes due to Mm -hmm. it and just the challenges that he had to go through as far as insulin shots and all that, just, mm. I don't know. I think for me, it's more of a, just a foundation I go off of mm-hmm. and just a reminder that, okay, here's another person's journey and my or may not be the same. It might be different. I might be someone who can eat candy for the rest of my life and be fine. Mm-hmm. But just in knowing the fact that there was someone else that did that and had a different set of circumstances kind of helps me keep the line like okay Mm -hmm. there's there's a different set of actions i can take Mm -hmm. within my life yeah fortunately with in terms of because a lot of i know a lot of uh people uh friends and families who have uh died of obesity and and uh and diabetes like my grandparents have diabetes but i look back at those like past generations and the information regarding health they received then was is completely different than what we see today you know, people were told to smoke cigarettes. They thought it was, they said it was a good thing. Doctors were like recommending smoking cigarettes and, yeah. um, you know, it's still an issue today, but I think people are becoming more health conscious. And I always, I think that like, if you're healthy, if you, you, you feel good, you eat good, like you as a person, your person, one, you're going to be happier. Like you're going to feel better. 
-hmm. you're going to operate better. Right. And a big part of it is like this whole, uh, like not to get off topic here, but like the whole gut brain connection. And it's true. Um, people who have healthy guts have, uh, more stable, like moods, right. People who have poor, it's been proven. And there's a lot of research on it who have like a poor gut balance, bad bacteria. Um, it can really affect your mood, um, you know, depression, anxiety, all these things. And so it's a hard path to take, right? Eating healthy. Cause there's, there's all this marketing out there, all this, yeah. all this candy, um, that tastes delicious. And it's quite addicting. Like you can say candy is a drug because mm -hmm. it could be anything. It could be a drug. Right. Um, but yeah, there's just so many, I guess, crutches or things you can rely on to make you, you know, feel happy that may not be the best for you, but like that yeah. can be for a lot, like a lot of things in life. <laughs> mm -hmm. Elon, what's the best way that people can connect with you? I know that you were printing out some business cards. That's why the, the printer was running. Um, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, let's check. No. Um, yeah. Here, wait. Let me let me pull one from the printer here. Um, yeah. Sorry if that interrupted things. Um, hey, I did. I have listened to one of your podcasts, and I heard phones ringing and stuff like that. So I think my my printer going. Uh, not too bad. Um, but yeah. So my business. Um, I'm a partner of a company. Is Association Reserves. We provide. Uh, reserve studies for homeowners associations, uh, other you know, municipalities, clubs, worship facilities, temples and churches. So um, yeah, and you can find us reservestudy.com. Um, you connect with me on LinkedIn, you know, Elon Goldman, I'm there as well. Um, but yeah, if uh, you know, I don't provide, I don't have the platform uh, that you have, that you provide to people, but um, yeah, if anybody wanted to reach out or talk about things, I'm definitely here to uh, answer their questions. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, Consider supporting our cause by making a donation through our website at overcomingodds.today so we can continue creating and sharing these courageous and inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.